Content warning. This episode includes discussion about trauma, self-harm, and suicide. Some people may find these topics disturbing. Please make healthy decisions about whether to listen to this content. It's no time for small talk. Welcome to Deep Conversations with Strangers, an icebreaker podcast for an increasingly diverse community. My name is Gregory Bish. For this episode, I'm talking to a resident of Supportive Housing of Waterloo. So at what point in your life did things really start to change for you? When my first son got killed. When your first son got killed? Right. That's Kathy Foster. Her personal tragedy triggered a period of homelessness that lasted 18 years, and she spent most of that time on the streets of Waterloo Region. In this episode, she courageously shares a story of loss and learning. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the Deep Conversation with Strangers podcast, Kathy. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, So how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. That's good. So what I, I would like to do, Kathy, is um, I'm interested a little bit in how your life got here. And I want to, but I want to start from the beginning, if that's okay with you. Okay. I'm going to talk about your childhood for a few minutes and talk about your adulthood. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So, Kathy, where where were you born? Markdale, Ontario. It's north of Toronto. And were you raised there? I was raised there till I was uh, five years old, mm-hmm. and then I was brought to Cambridge, Ontario. Okay. For uh, during the flood, yeah, that was in '73, '74. Okay. What was life like for you then? I don't remember back that far. Yeah. But all I can remember is when uh, Dad used to get uh, we used to live across from Sunset Drive in, in Preston, and we'd take uh, lawn chairs and go sit across a across the big highway, yeah, just to watch the movies outside. Yeah. So who did you used to go with? When I went to the movies, yeah. Oh, my sisters and my uh, yeah, my two sisters and our three cousins. Okay. So it sounds like you had a lot of family around you growing up in Cambridge. Yes. And how many siblings did you have? My sister, my my two sisters, and my younger brother, Danny. Okay. And Kevin, and that's another brother. Mm-hmm. He's the oldest. And uh, my mom, my, de- my first stepfather, because mm-hmm. I never knew my real father. Okay. And that's who you're living with at this point in your life? Mm-hmm. So... Um, was that a happy time? It was fun. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. What, what kind of, other than going to the movie theaters, what kind of? Um, Dad would get uh, potato chips, a big bag of most potato chips there. We'd yeah. get them for 25 cents a bag. And he, the guy would sell them for 75 cents a bag to other people, right? We got lucky. Um, oh, and I used to climb trees all the time. I yeah. love climbing, climbing trees. I like nature. I love going camping. I love fishing. I love everything about nature. So did you essentially grow up in Cambridge and Preston then? Yeah. Um, so it sounds like those were generally happy years for you. Yeah, it was. Okay. <laughs> and so you went to school. What school did you go to there? Um, I went to several schools. I went okay. to St. Andrews. I went to Dixon. I went to um, Manchester, Lincoln, and GCI finally ended up. 
Oh. And then got to grade six. Mm -hmm. They passed me from grade six to grade eight. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because I said, why are you pass them all that? And they said, well, she's too smart for us. So you skipped a grade. You skipped grade seven. Yeah. Wow. And what was high school like for you? It was great. Yeah. What did you like doing most during those years? Um, history, science, geography, typing, mechanic, woodworking, home economics. Yeah. Were you a fairly good student in high school? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Until um, we got to home economics where we had to make those wraparound skirts and you just tie it, right? The teacher wouldn't even talk to me, look at me until the bell rang, right? Mm -hmm. well, would you have a problem? Well, yeah, I've only had my hand up for like five, six minutes. Mm -hmm. So she came to me and I told her to fuck off and she sent me to the principal's office. Then he told me you're, you were suspended for seven days. Okay. By the time I got from GCI to the house, mm -hmm. walked in the door and dad says, so you got kicked out of school, eh? Yeah. I said, no, I only got suspended. No, you got kicked out. So he kicked me out. They, they kicked you out for, for swearing at the teacher? Yep. Was that the only reason they kicked you out? Yep. What grade would he have been in then? Ten. Ten. So how, what impact did that have on that mm. point? Well, because if I was in school, I would have graduated high school, like, you know, graduated mm -hmm. college, could have got a decent job. Mm -hmm. Instead, this is what I got for the rest of my life. So take me through that. Would you say that that, that point in your life of getting kicked out of school was was um, starting of a trend? Yes. So so what happened after you got kicked out of school? Well, I moved with my cousins, uh, Janice and Sally. We're still in Cambridge, but I am in Galt this time, not impressed. It. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we I moved in with them. I babysat for them all the time and cleaned the house and played with the kids. And it sounds like you, sounds like you enjoyed that. Yeah. And then high school would have ended for your friends. Uh, we partied. Yeah. My friends and that. You know. Yeah. And it was absolutely, it was great. Yeah. What, what does what does a party look like for you back then? Lots of drinking, just like, you know, having fun, you know, got high. Yeah. And, and so that still sounds like it's a fairly happy time in your life. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so how old would you have been? When this was going on? 15, 16. 15, 16. 16, 17, maybe. 10. So take me from what happened after that point in your life. I started babysitting for several people. Once I got older, I see, I, like I stayed with my cousins, families, and stuff like that. And so what, why didn't you stay with your mom? Uh, because my dad kicked me out. Why did he kick you out? Because they kicked me out of school, and Alfred was blind, my first stepfather. Yeah. He was completely blind. And he was on the blind pension CNIB, and once you're kicked out of school or anything, they kick you off the pension. Oh, I see. So he doesn't have to pay for your roofing or anything anymore. Okay. But then after that, he took me back. Old mom said, Mom convinced me to take me back. And then I was his eyes from there on in or whatever. So at what point in your life did things really start to change for you? When my first son got killed. When your first son got killed? Brian. Brian. Do you mind talking about your son's death? Sometimes. Okay. Not a lot. How old were you at that point? Um, how old was I? About 25, 27. But I had other kids after that. And what happened to him? He got killed by a two-burner range stove. 
Okay. They know I'm Sam. Okay. That's all I'd like to say. Okay. And so it was an accident. It was a fatal accident. But were you with him at the time? Um, no, he was. Uh, I was out in the front doing a yard sale with my friend that I met up there. Okay. Or that I knew up there. Yeah. And um, her and me were doing the yard sale with my son Anthony. Mm -hmm. And Brian asked if he could go to wash him. I said, sure. After five minutes, I said, I went upstairs, I looked everywhere, I couldn't find under beds in closets, everywhere. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find them. All around the neighborhood, people are saying, oh, no, he's not near. I was saying, yeah, well, I'm going in to check everywhere. Mm -hmm. I checked the whole block. My friend checked the whole block. Her brother came in, found him underneath the stove. Okay. He had fallen? In the basement. No. Mm -hmm. There was kittens on top of the stove. Mm -hmm. And he went to get up to play with the kittens and okay. was dead. He opened the oven, stuck his head in, and instead of going up like that there. And yeah. he came down and snapped his neck. Oh, no. Okay. So that sounds like it had a huge impact on your life. It did. Yeah. And after after that, I I I didn't even want to live anymore. I just did. I did overdoses after overdoses. I like you know, nothing works. Mm -hmm. oh, like Stacy that works here. She says, "Kathy, you got more than nine lives." And yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Right. So. The overdoses. Um, the, this is while you're mourning your son? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they start directly after that? Mm -hmm. So what, what were you overdosing on? Just pills. Okay. Just my, my own medication. Right? No, their own medication. Was that antidepressants or? Yes. So were you trying to kill yourself? Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to live because he did. He, he was gone, right? Yeah. So as a, as a mother... Hurt. Right? Yeah, it still does. Yeah, I have. Like, I have two kids. I can. I can't imagine. Actually, well, June fourth is when he was buried. He died June first, and he was buried June fourth. Oh, so at the time of this interview, it's June 9th. So this has been a fresh anniversary for you. He would have been thirty-five. Okay. April seventeenth of this year. Okay. So. That was when everything really started to happen. It went downhill. I was on the streets for 18 years altogether. Okay. I so still brought my kids up to a certain point, mm -hmm. but then I assigned them over to my sister because I did nine months incarceration. Mm -hmm. I was incarcerated week after week. Mm -hmm. Every time I get out, I do something stupid and I get right back in there. Okay. But now I've learned my lesson like, you know, if you ain't got money, don't go out of the house. Yeah. Don't go to the stores, don't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, I never stole from stores anyway. You know? Yeah. I never stole anything. Yeah. Except for off my street grandpa, I stole 1800 bucks off. Okay. Like, within six months. Okay. Right? So you became incarcerated. And how long were you in jail for the first time? Nine months. Nine months. After you got out of jail, did you continue using drugs yeah. at that point? Um, crack and uh, weed. Okay. That's about it. Okay. And were those the drugs that kept on getting you in, into trouble? Yeah. Okay. Well, the weed, no. Right, but right. The other shit, yeah. Yeah. So it was mainly crack? Mm. Yeah, okay. So 
after you got to, after you got out, was it at that point you decided to assign your children over? And how many children did you have at that point? I had uh, Anthony, Danielle, and Rosemary. Okay. And then what happened in your life? I just kept getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see how I was getting in trouble all the time until I sat down and, like, you know, really pondered it, right? Yeah. And then after that, I knew. Oh, do you do you want to share any of the ways that you got in trouble? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> all you need to know is I got incarcerated every time. Yeah. I've been in trouble, though, I guess about 10, 10 12, 13 years. So what changed for you? Well, well, I learned and taught myself to stay out of it. Mm-hmm. Don't touch what's not yours. Mm-hmm. If you can't ask for it, it's not worth having. Was it a little bit of self-discipline? Is that um, when I self-discipline myself? Is when um, about maybe what oh, three, four, five, six, seven years ago I used to slash cut my arms. I used to be a cutter. Mm-hmm. And the only way I, way I would do that, I wouldn't discipline myself because I was doing hard drugs. I was disciplining myself because people called me names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Tell me I was a liar and this and that and everything else, you know? So I used to cut my arms. Okay. And is this, um, is this why you were li- living on the street? No. I was living at the marriage place at the time. Okay. That's, um, that sounds I, painful. It was. Mm-hmm. But every color I meant, I just, <sighs> I felt good. How does that feel good? Well, because when you're so livid, past your head, mm-hmm. so stressed, you just want to do something just to finish yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't want to finish myself. I just want to show myself that I can get rid of pain easier than taking a pill. Okay. And so the it sounds like the endorphins that you got or that you got from cutting was a Mm-hmm. Was satisfactory. Yeah. Yeah. If it's okay for me to ask, what was living on the street like? Hell. Okay. What was the worst part of it? Being cold mm-hmm. in the winter time. And, and where were you living? Um, Here, there, everywhere. Okay. About southwestern Ontario mostly? Yeah, we're at Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. Okay. That's about it. Oh, Guelph, London, Hamilton, Toronto. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it was hell for uh, being cold and trying to find shelter and what else? Food, mm-hmm. water, mm-hmm. like, you know, decent place to live. You were doing drugs, though? Yeah, crack and weed. Crack and weed. Or coke. Or coke. Yeah, which is similar. Crack. Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. Were you able to develop friendships on the street and did he help you out? Well, yes or no. Okay. If you had the money, mm-hmm. well, you had lots of friends. Okay. But as soon as you had no money, okay, you got no friends. Okay. So for someone like me, so what I'm trying to get at, I guess, is someone like me who's never been homeless. And I honestly believe that it's possible for anybody to, to end up there. You could be there tomorrow. Right. Well... I had very significant mental health problems when I was a young adult, and I could have easily ended up on the street if someone decided to kick me out at the wrong time. Exactly. Um, And that's what happened to me. mm -hmm. So for someone like me, 
help me understand what it was like living on the living on the street. The only money you had was precious to you, and all you wanted to do was that drug. Yeah. You didn't want to buy food. You didn't want to buy nothing. Mm -hmm. Can't a papa do you a week? Yeah. So, and emotionally, what does it feel like? Now? No, emotionally at the time. Sad, depressing, mm -hmm. worthless. Yeah. It looks like you're doing better now. Oh, I'm doing a lot better. Yeah. I'm not in jail. Yeah, well, that I'm not helps. getting into trouble. Yeah. I'm trying to stay clean. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, yeah, the hard drugs, but my marijuana, I keep that. Yeah, that doesn't sound as dangerous. If I, I could walk in your shoes for a year, would you walk in mine? After everything I told you? No. I wouldn't. Thank you. Yeah. So, how long have you been clean now? Off of... Yeah, off of crack. Cooking the harder drugs. Well, I only did crack or cocaine. Well, I dabbled in crystal meth. Mm -hmm. um, crack, I'll do it only when it's given to me. I'm not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. But my weed, mm -hmm. I pay for that. Yeah. And I'll buy it. And I'll continue buying it until it runs off the earth. So d tell me what your life is like now and how it's better than it was before. Well, now I've got friends that care. Okay. Whether I have money or not. Mm -hmm. The other place I live at, at 409 Mill Street. Okay. Uh, Joan, she's made her, became really, really good friends. Mm -hmm. And, um... Was she homeless at one time, too? No. Okay. No. We, I just I just met her through where I used to live. Mm -hmm. And um, she, uh, we became pretty good friends. What was that like for you, I assume? It was awesome. And we're still friends. I phoned her two days ago. Yeah. Told her I'm coming to see her on the, on the 15th. Yeah. So what, what kind of things do you guys like to do together? Uh, we just sit outside, have smokes, laugh a lot, and, yeah. you know, she's dying to see me. She's, she cries every day at night. She says, Kathy, I don't know why you left, but you're my favorite person here, and she says, yeah. I want you to come back. And before Joan, how long had it been since you had a really good friend? A long time. Years and years and years. Yeah. Okay. That's a true friend. Mm-hmm. A long, long time. Yeah. Um, so, um, as far as your children go, where, where are your children now? What are your relationships? Anthony's in uh, Kitchener. Mm -hmm. Danielle and uh, Rosemary are in Cambridge. And Donald and Corey are in Niagara. Yeah. And do you still have a relationship with all of them? Except for Donald and Corey. Okay. Because I adopted them out. So, when you look back at everything, what would you say is the biggest regret that you've had in your life? The biggest regret? There's quite a few of them. Living on the street, getting incarcerated. Um, I regret not taking full care of all my kids. Um, regret that my first son died. I regret every day. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like you deal with them differently now. I do. What's what's changed? Not a whole hell of a lot, but oh. I just sit there and stare into the walls or stare out the window or just sit there and listen to music or 
cry or whatever. What do the staff feel like? They're really nice, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a deep conversation with none of them yet, except for Cassidy. She made me cry. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, in a good way. Oh, I'm in a good way. Okay. Are you a lot happier where you are in your life now? Yes. Okay. Not 100%, but yeah. more than 50. Yeah. So, what was the changing point to, like, your life starting to improve? I finally realized my, what my mom's been saying all my life. Wait, is your mom still alive? Oh, yes. She's still chicken. Okay. She better be. Yeah. I talked to her this morning. Okay. So, what's your mom been like as you've been going through all this? Have you stayed in contact She's, with her? Oh, yeah. Every, every day I phone, leave a message, or every other day, or every mm-hmm. three days I phone her and say, yeah, we got time. Mm-hmm. She'll say, yeah, and I'll say, okay, just talk. She says, no, and then I'll say, okay, I'll phone you tomorrow. So did you do that while you were living on the street as well? No. No. Okay. She didn't know where I was from one night to the next. How do you think that made her feel? Sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disappointed. Well, I'm I'm really happy that life has gotten a lot better for you. You seem to be happy with the staff and happy here. Yeah, yeah. What are your goals for the future at this point? Staying out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And get to see my kids soon. Do you not get to see them often? And is that because they... Distance, because of what happened when they were growing up. Yeah. And so but they had other people taking care of them? Just my sister. Okay. Yeah. Are they doing okay in life? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got two grandsons and a granddaughter. Do you get to see them? I see pictures of them. Okay. How does that make you feel? Great. (laughs) Great. That's awesome. (laughs) The life that you've had has had many challenges. What piece of advice would you give people? Stay in school, get good grades, get yourself a decent apartment house, whatever, make your money, pay your rent. Stay away from the drugs. Learn to say no. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, sure, I'll try that. Mm-hmm. Learn to say no. Was that a... That was a big thing with me. I always kept saying, oh, yeah, sure, I'd like to try that. Yeah. But then I start saying, no, don't want what you have. I will get what I want. Yeah. And be kind to your mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Kathy. Thank you. For having this interview with me. I really appreciate it. At Supportive Housing of Waterloo, they believe housing is a fundamental right for everyone. Beyond affordable housing, they help people transform their lives by providing programs, services, and support for homelessness, addiction, and mental and physical health issues. You can visit their website at www.showaterloo.org. That's showaterloo.org. By donating, you can make a meaningful difference in people's lives by helping to give them the dignity of a safe place to call home. Thank you to the staff at Supportive Housing of Waterloo for connecting deep conversations with strangers with Kathy. And thank you again to Kathy for stepping forward to be interviewed. 
If you enjoyed this life story episode, listen to another, such as my interview with Abiha Syed, who immigrated to Canada 28 years ago and has spent many of those years building connections between the Muslim community and the larger community in Cambridge. I was able to communicate the perspective of a Muslim's life right. values to a person who is not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. So when 9-11 happened, I remember distinctly thinking, oh my God, I have to do all this work over again. Abiha is now a co-founder and co-chair of the Muslim Women of Cambridge and a community engagement coordinator at Immigration Partnership Waterloo Region. Listen to her story as part of this first series of Deep Conversations with Strangers. Thanks for listening. Take heart and take care.